After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. This is the Meat Eater Podcast. We're recording out of Ketchikan, Alaska, along the, the, the famed Inside Passage. We're actually specifically recording in what I consider to be my favorite hotel in the United States of America, the Super 8 of Ketchikan, Alaska, in which Dan Doty, who's here, we'll get to him in a minute. It's actually the worst hotel ever. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I've been staying here for a decade, and then Dan Doty, and staying here with Dan Doty, different rooms for a decade, and he just revealed to me that it's his least favorite hotel in the whole place. This, whatever, however you feel about the Super 8, Ketchikan's a rough, rough town, um... If, if you like feeling like you, if you like going out and then coming home and feeling like you almost just got your ass kicked, Ketchikan's a good place to go. I think because the town is walled in. Like if you back up, you're in the mountains. If you go forward, you're in the ocean. The road here doesn't connect to any highway system and people feel like real, uh, I think they get to feeling a little cooped up in Ketchikan and they all are like ambush hunters waiting for something new to roll into town <laughs> to pounce on them it goes fast like um what one of the guys we work with mo one time got you know a woman came up to him to criticize him about how much his rain jacket cost you know and that was like she was like nagging him it was like her way of picking him up would be to go ridicule him but usually you go to the bar and um a guy will come up like he wants to hang out, but in fact, he wants to beat you up. Um, <laughs> brought to you today by Sog Knives and Tool. The company, Sog got to start, this This guy, there's this guy, the designer, still the designer now, this guy, Spencer Frazier, was, used to build these replica knives of the knives used by the special operations group in Vietnam, like their combat knife. And he started doing that and slowly built this company out he has this a huge array of tactical knives and tools that are super popular with military and law enforcement personnel and now they've got like a great line of hunting knives and tools out i mean they got everything from hatchets to machetes brian Callen, who's here how do you pronounced, say that in spanish pronounced machete <laughs> i have a souvenir meat eater hunting knife yep you don't have one yes That's i do sog. There's only two or three of those in existence. Well, I, I have, have a one. SOG I was given on the yeah, first yeah, meteor. Yeah, yeah, I have one of those, oh. too. I have one of those, too, but I have one with the Meat Eater logo. 
You don't have one of those. You know how I know? How? Because he gave it to me. You got really sad. Oh, you were there. Okay, obviously you've been in my knife chest. Hmm, that's interesting because I don't remember. <laughs> they don't make I don't them. Remember, don't remember you ever being in my knife chest. They don't make them. Obviously Joe Rogan broke into my house. If I was going to do something rude to you, I should have saved it for catch a can. Yeah, well, I'd have done something rude to you in a bar and catch camp. Whether you don't know whether I went to the the offices and the head brass at Meat Eater and they made one special. You don't know that for sure. Where's so that got, office? We're now? all sitting in Excuse me? What's the name of the production company? Hatches. The name of the production company? <laughs> yeah, the name of the production company. Uh, well, uh, is this a court of law now? I have but to tell well, you what all the details? What would be the name of the place that you would go to if you are going to get that special? Hatches, machetes, <laughs> um, fixed blades, folding knives, and in my opinion, Probably the, not probably, the best and most versatile line of moldy tools out there. Um, definitely the hand, best player ever mounted on a moldy tool. And there's a lot of other great innovations they put on these things. Too many for me to really get into, but just the one that's interesting is on a sock multi tool, you can actually take like just regular household tools and disassemble the thing, you know, using a Torx bit or an Allen, but you can pull it out. And then customize the blade configurations to match up with what you want it for. Um, I made mine. I call mine the Super Big Game Deluxe. I haven't patented that yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is also also brought to you by the Meteor TV show. Catch us on Sportsman Channel. When we're running new episodes, we're on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. But we're all over um, the network at other times as well. And whenever you want, you can download or stream episodes of Meat Eater at meateater.vhx.tv. Go on there. Use the code, one word, Meat Eater Podcast, and get five bucks off any volume. It's a good deal. It is. Now, our special guest here today, we have the, the beautiful and lovely uh, Brian the Kid Callen. <laughs> and the wonderful Joe Rogan. If, if Joe Rogan did not exist, you would not be listening to this podcast right now because Joe Rogan was um, it was my inspiration. He's a pioneer. He's a pioneer in podcasting. Were you doing podcasting before they called it podcasting? No, they've been. I think they started calling it podcasting when the iPod was invented. Yeah, almost a decade ago. I actually. believe the the term was invented by Adam Curry, the guy who's the MTV VJ, who has a show now called No Agenda that he does. Um, I'm pretty sure he invented the term podcasting. He might have invented podcasting itself. Is he the guy that's now? Is there like a thing? I remember you were involved. Like someone was trying to. There's a lawsuit. Um, yeah. Did it ever get resolved favorably it for did. podcasters? Yes, it did. Yeah. It's called, they're patent trolls. They essentially wanted to get a patent. I mean, this is the paraphrased version of it. That um, they, they had a patent on things put online in a serialized form, which is, is so ambiguous and vague. But they were patent trolls. They, they had done this before. They'd sued Apple for uh, a lot of money. I think they won several million dollars from Apple. But a company like Apple just says, fuck it, I'll just give you the money and just shut your hole. Like, it, it's worth more to give them $7 million than it is to get Tim Cook and all these guys to go to court somewhere. But they must have, I mean, I don't want to get into this in too great detail. I, was, I mean, it's, it's interesting to us. But they must have had some kind of argument because I doubt Apple just hands out money to anyone who comes up. Like, if I came up and said, hey, man, my iPod kind of burnt my hand. They're not going to give me $7 million. I don't know what they had, what they had with Apple. I don't know what the lawsuit was based on, but the lawsuit that they were suing Adam Carolla and several other podcasters was 
unbelievably ridiculous. And uh, the judges were, the, you know, they have, they go through some, before they have the actual trial, they go through some sort of a, a meeting where they sit down with legal representatives and yeah. they, they explain their case. And, uh, you know, the, the judges who reviewed it said, there's nothing here. Oh, is that right? And yeah. And they, and they had they, still paid and they then still, Apple had still done it. They still, well, this, I don't know about Apple. This is with Adam Carolla. And they still wanted to press forward. They're, they're, what they, they do essentially is they force people to spend exorbitant amounts of money in legal fees. Adam Carolla spent more than a half a million dollars fighting this. And there was almost no case. But that's the idea. It's like, do you want to spend this or do you want to just pay us 20 bucks a month? And then everybody has to pay 20 bucks a month. So every pot, you know, whatever the, the number is they yeah, choose. So that's how they do it. But they, in part of the agreement that they signed when they abandoned the case, they they agreed to settle with Adam Carolla and they agreed to not go after any other podcast. Specifically, my podcast was listed. There's like a, a bunch that they listed. They will not pursue legal action. So Really? Yeah, but I would have had to do the same thing. I would have had to spend fuckloads of money. So I, I helped Adam Carolla raise some money for it. That's what I remember seeing that, that you yeah. were doing that. The, the whole thing's ridiculous. Also joined by um, the Latvian lover. Do-do-do-do. Giannis. <laughs> You guys know that Giannis used to go by Giannis Long Tong Putellis? <laughs> from, from when he worked at a... <laughs> Long Tom? Do you wish you hadn't told me that story? Tong. Oh, Long Tong. Because he worked at a... Um, He's got a piece on him. What'd you work at? Long Tongue? Italian restaurant, yeah, right? Yeah, Tuscanini. Tuscanini. <laughs> Beaver Creek, Colorado. And then, and then got fired from that and had a long, illustrious career as, a, as an elk guide. Before getting swept up into show business, got good length of bone and, <laughs> Ooh, and has a Latvian power ring. What Lat does that mean? Look at his power ring. What is a Latvian? His brother, his brother wears one too. If they touch him, it sparks. <laughs> it's a. It's Giannis, <laughs> just to prove, just say, um, say if you say uh, we're going across the strait to hunt black-tailed deer on that island over there in Latvian. Not fluent. <laughs> black-tailed deer, black deer is a tough one. We don't have them in Latvia. Yeah. You could have just said black-tailed deer. And, and joined by that the was super... Fake. That, was fake. that was a fake language. The catch, the catch you can. I could do that. Super 8 hating Dan Doty. You got that? Who's been... Dan, who's, Dan, been on, who's also been on Joe's Dan's podcast. been negative about Dan's been like, uh, this place is terrible. And by the way, where we're going, it's going to be really cold and wet and miserable. This whole thing sucks. Well, judging by that, so I think, far, Dan, I think Dan's sleepy, man. This is fine. It's, yeah, a little This sleepy. is fine. If yeah. I mean, if this is terrible, then I, I put it on a scale and compared this to the, the, the mountain that we're going to. This yeah, is I'm, I'm aware I've been a little negative about this, and I'm... I don't want to be that way, no, but there's something. Hard. There you is something out of first about class. <laughs> You're sitting up there with all the kings and queens yeah. and royalty, and we're back there with the peasants and coach. You're a natural redhead. I head. understand. I understand where you're coming from. No, there's something. About, hard. There is something about this place that just has been here a bunch. We've been here a bunch. It's been four years now. We've been coming. Yeah, here. he's been kind and of more, like, more than subtly trying to put the uh, put the end to this trip. No, no, no. This area. Oh, just just like, like, he's like, we kind of, I think Dan said we've, uh, something along the lines that we filmed the piss out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Is it because it's your spot? Not, you have your cabin up here. Not the salsa. I just love it. I love it because I honestly, I feel like if it feels really nice weather. I wouldn't like it as much as I like it. Yeah, you're a weirdo like that. I man. love it. And not you that know, I enjoy bad weather. I just love it because there's something about. Um, there's just I, I, there's something about just like a place that just is probably just gonna kick your ass. You like struggle, you know. Yeah. And it was highlighted in that recent elk episode that I watched. There's this fucking giant, beautiful. Am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Mm. Is that okay? We'll make an exception. Are you gonna you, beep? Yeah. Will you beep it or are you just? No, we won't. this isn't like okay. this isn't like uh, like a tube, like a TV. No. Um, you you had this beautiful elk in your sights and you decided not to shoot it because you wanted to see what else was out there and you felt like it came too easy. Yeah. Shoot I would have shot that fucking thing I in a had, heartbeat. That was an, I know I I'm had the exact just, opposite of you. I had just <laughs> shot an elk. What I didn't get into is I had just shot an elk. Not there. In Kentucky. I had just shot yeah. an elk. Whatever. I so fucking ended that thing. <laughs> Right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> like, yeah. like, ladies and gentlemen, this show is four minutes long. I would have, <laughs> I'm, I'm the exact in. opposite. I never think like this is too easy. All when right. things come along too easy, I go, fucking great. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> yep. Get out of here. Yep. Yep. I love it when things come easy. Me too. I don't ever feel like I have to work extra hard for I hope shit. I nail two deers in the first five minutes tomorrow. I hope they line I wanna... up. I hope both my tags line up where they're both eating grass at the same time and I get one headshot. Just a ricochet. And take both of them out. <laughs> right from the tent. Just yep. boom. Get up in the morning. Let's go crabbing. Boom. Let's eat shrimp. <laughs> yep. Let's eat some shrimp and crab. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I know what you're saying because I do. Like, I want it to be. I, I never go somewhere thinking like, oh, I want it to be bad. Like, I don't go hunting like, but you like, like I hope it's really it. hard and it's bad. Like, I always hope it's good and there's tons of animals everywhere. But you like to earn it. After the fact. You're a bit of a masochist. You are. Or a masochist. Well, I think what you are is someone who appreciates hard work and effort. And you also appreciate going to places that are difficult to hunt. You like going to high mountain areas that are difficult to hike. You know, there's there's a lot that you you have an ethic. And uh, I think that ethic, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing that you have this. But you're you're very extreme with your ethics, your morals, your ideals on these things. It's a very romanticized version of it. Me, I'm looking to kill shit and eat it. <laughs> I, I, I will say, though. I know some guys you I, like I will, I will say, I will say that, that, that I, I got more. I had really good time in Wisconsin, but I, got, I had a much more satisfying feeling at the end of the Montana trip because of the, the cold, the discomfort, the tent, the hiking, the packing that meat out. And you got that deer in the last day. And I got the deer oh, in the last yeah, day. So yeah, everything yeah. felt like a struggle. And I, I didn't really, I wasn't too vocal about it. I froze my ass off because I hadn't learned how to. Cashmere sleeping. Yeah. You hadn't learned you how to grit your teeth. About it? I, I couldn't layer up enough. And, and finally, Ryan Callahan and you said. Never, and you never brought this up. At least not that you remember. There's a YouTube video you just complaining <laughs> about the cold. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I'm just a, a whiner. But I remember being so cold. And, and Ryan told me, take a hot water bottle, put it in your bottom of your sleeping bag, changed everything. But for the first two nights, I was not sleeping, man. If you put his mustache in the bottom of your sleeping bag, <laughs> no you'd have been extra warm. No question. No question. He just shot that. it. Speaking of him, bless his heart, he just shot an elk with his uh with his recurve. His old time his old timey bow. I mistakenly called it like I always think of everything besides the compound a stick bow. I, I, a couple of guys. He's a great guy, man. Called I'm me sorry he's not that. here. Um a quick note though on enjoying hard hunts i think it's a part of the progression of 
all hunters, and you might get, get there one day too. And I know a lot of old guys that would love to every season hunt every single day of the season because they enjoy the hunt and to sit in their stand, to be cold, to watch birds and all that, and to kill their deer on the last day. That would be their perfect season. Um, yeah, I appreciate a tough hunt, and I appreciate you guys coming on again because, I, you know, I, I realized this the other day. Without even really trying to, we're sort of doing, Giannis, is there a thing, is there a Grand Slam version for deer? So people, like, people who aren't familiar with the whole Grand Slam concept, which isn't a difficult concept to understand, all, all these different animals have like like a, a grand slam type thing so with turkeys you would do a a grand a grand slam for turkeys would be you'd shoot an eastern turkey a osceola turkey a rio grand and a miriams is a grand slam now then there's the soup do you know how these go Super slam, then world slam. Super slam for turkeys, which I, which I, like almost accidentally completed up to the end. Is you add a Gould's turkey, and you can hunt Gould's in Arizona and in Mexico. Most people who do it go down to Mexico, and then you got the world slam, which is when you step outside of turkiness, outside of the America. <laughs> like here's the thing: all those turkeys, all those turkeys are the like North American Turkey, you know, and geneticists don't even really acknowledge the differences between all these things. But then there's another one, the oscillated, which is a whole different species. It's like the second Turkey species is the oscillated, which is down in Yucatan. So you go kill him and you got the Turkey world slam. Having done this, when I explain this to some of my friends, they think it's the stupidest thing on the planet, you know, but for sheep, it's like it's, Doll sheep, stone sheep, Rocky Mountain bighorn, desert bighorn. Is the sheep, sl- whatever, slam. Is there a deer one? I think so. What I'm getting at is you boys are getting terribly close. If, this, we, have a, if we have a successful hunt, when we cross the strait and go out to the island. Then you, we go for coos. Yeah, because then you got like a white tail. So you got a white tail, black tail. No, you got a mule deer, mule deer white tail, sick of black tail. I think you got to do Columbia black tail and maybe a coos deer. Yeah, Columbia black tail in my yard. All yeah, the time. you'll get that whenever you want. What they think hat like again? Geneticists kind of like rewrite all this stuff, but now they think that like that, that all these things like the Columbia blacktail, the Sika blacktail, the mule deer, all just, I mean, they're, they're listed as one species. A lot of people don't recognize them as subspecies, which is totally bizarre. Cause these deer out here, when you walk up, you'd be stunned how small they are. Oh, you mean the ones in Alaska? The Sika blacktails are small. Why, why are they so small? They can serve heat better or what? No, no it's, it's the opposite. It's weird. Oh yeah. Yeah. The big deer, like the big deer from the North. Like the the ones in like Saskatchewan, they're or giant huge. Alberta, really? three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's Oof. your biggest biggest white tails. Bergman's wow. principle, but there's a couple things about Bergman's rule or Bergman's principle. So yeah, mammals tend to be larger at the northern extreme of their range in the northern hemisphere. They tend to be larger because it has to do with heat dissipation, heat retention. But they find that mule deer tend to not adhere to that quite as strictly as whitetails do so you look at a key like a, a deer a whitetail deer in the keys very very small you know 100 pounds if he's lucky florida keys yeah whitetail deer in alberta 250 pounds just giants so know? so is that same with hu- the bigger the person the, the better they are conserving heat 
Yeah. That's a why big, Vikings a bigger were person, so big, probably, right? A bigger yeah. person can serve why, why is it that those Mexican deer that you uh, see on television all the time, blacktail or whitetail and um, those coos? Uh, moose, uh, and uh, mule deer, they're giant. Are they bringing American? No, the whitetails from Mexico are small. Okay, I'm just seeing ones on television shows. <clears throat> no, they're like, but they're small bodied. And the mule deer down there get big antlers. And that's what I'm saying. Mule deer, some people, mule deer don't conform to that rule quite as strictly as other things do. But what you do find is the mule deer, like what you'd say a desert mule deer, is going to have bigger ears. And ears huh. are great for heat retention, dissipation. Like you look at the woolly mammoth. Woolly mammoth, like a big elephant, right? Little shit in ears, like barely right. any ear on that thing. Then Africa, because he's a cold climate elephant. Then you look at the African elephant, I mean, giant ears for that. Right. Another place animals lose a lot of heat is inside of their legs. So you'll always notice the hair's thin there. You can stand up to dissipate heat, lay down to collect, to, to retain heat. Huh. But uh, yet another principle that plays in is like sickle black tails are a coastal and often predominantly island critter. And for whatever reason, mammals on islands tend to tend toward dwarfism. Reptiles on islands tend toward gargantuanism. Well, then what happens with um, those giant bears, the Kodiak bears? Yeah, that's an exception for sure. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold. Except they just have so much access to to salmon, meat. I would imagine. Yeah. Meat. Whereas a highland bear, like brown bears, in you know the mountainous regions are like 600 pounds because they live on berries and stuff. That's what I heard. Yeah, and the grizzlies that you get in the far north are smaller. Yeah, there, there's exceptions all over the place. But anyways, these are some dinky-ass deer. So like really what's a big see. one? What's a big Sitka blacktail? 100 pounds? No, bigger than that. You, I don't think you'll get it. I don't think a big box can weigh 150 pounds. Wow. I mean, a lot of them weigh, like I said, man, they're like sub 100 pounds. You walk wow. up and you're like, wow, that's not what I thought I was looking at. Oh, uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, but it's like, and the antlers are, you have to, they're just not as big as whitetails. It's like, imagine that, like, the only, let's say the only woman dudes knew about was. Like Pamela Anderson, like the white-tailed deer is the Pam, like the Pamela Anderson deer. You know, right. it's just like souped up and a lot of work been done on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <clears throat> it's just like this thing, you know. And they get and you look at the cover magazines. You look at these giants on farms. So when you go out, if everyone knew that woman and only that woman. They're gonna have a harder time appreciating someone of a more subtle, refined beauty. Because the 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 deer you're talking about that you see on the cover of those hunting magazines are corn fed, basically. 
They're more than that, man. They're injected. Even even like magazines. Like I've talked. I don't want to name the magazines. I got friends that worked and I write there now and then. But in in the fall, they always put a big giant buck on the cover of the magazine. And the magazine has a has a editorial standpoint standpoint where they're not for fenced hunting. So they don't like cover fenced hunting in the magazine. They don't write about fenced hunting in the magazine. But all their bucks got names, man. You know what I mean? They got bucks that just the, the bucks on the cover of the magazine are just farm bucks. It's like bucks you're not going to see in the wild. It's like Larry the Buck, you know. It won't say that. It was like a Pennsylvania giant, you know. And the photographer took him an hour to try to get a shot where, to, where it wasn't like a... Why Why are the wolves in Yellowstone? And I don't know if these are doctored photographs. Put your thing up so, to your mouth. Sorry. Why are they so... Oh, there you go. Why well, are they uh, so... Uh, just, welcome to the podcast, Brian Kelly. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, this is Brian the Kelly. Back to back. Um, why are the... Um, wolves in yellowstone so so giant like these guys who've shot them and they're holding them up and they're literally bigger than the by far the person is, is that because they have so much access to elk and they're just keep i think that, yeah them? i think they're big well-fed there, there's like there's conspiracy theories that many that like the forest service somehow wanted to really stick it to really screw over montanans and wyoming people and so they're like well i know what i'll do to them i'll go get super wolves which is what they call them i'll go get super wolves from elsewhere canada and bring them down and let them go and these wolves are way bigger than the wolves that were here at the time of european contact and that'll show them and they'll know not i don't really know what they're like if they're trying to stick it to them i don't know what they're sticking it to them about but that's one theory is that another thing would be that they right now are expanding their range. They have in, in many areas, low comp, like low competition with other wolves. Cause they're still in an expansion phase. Like the energy moves outward, you know, to, to new territory and there's a lot to eat and they're healthy. How much does weigh? How much does a big timber wolf weigh? I mean, they can weigh a couple hundred pounds. Wow. But people say that that's like one of those numbers. We've talked about this before. Like there's certain numbers that always get thrown around, like, you know, you know, like two hundred pound mountain lion. Yeah, like, yeah, all that stuff. And so like the the wolves are that big. But I mean they're giants. They're giants. They're huge. We did hear that story from a fairly credible source about the guy that knew the trapper that supposedly trapped, live trapped some of these wolves. The first introduction, the '97 introduction, or whatever, yeah, yeah, into Yellowstone, and that he had trapped like 16 or 17 wolves, and he had them, and he picked, like, hand picked the biggest, baddest, meanest wolves, like the the wolves that all the rest of the wolves in the pens were like, <laughs> like scared of and coward. He's like, those stupid bastards down the states. Let's send him these three. He's like, you want wolves, do you? Here's some yeah. wolves. Yeah, I, I don't know what you're thinking. Here you go. It seems like a crazy idea. It seems like a crazy idea that's kind of backfiring in a lot of places. I don't know, not backfiring with the wolves, man. Yeah, the numbers are high. Really high, right? Well, they got, they start, they feel like they, maybe when the hunts were running, you know, they felt like they turned the corner in Montana a little bit. I know my brother was just saying, you know, the one that just lost a significant portion of elk to bears, he was up and saw seven of them, you know. I mean, not that, I mean, that's like totally anecdotal, but they're out like it's funny because the area the area we hunt elk in me past tense him still we started hunting elk in this area we hunted there for 10 years we started hunting elk there in 96 so it's for the wolf thing hit that elk herd that we've hunted has 
been greatly reduced you know it's like the elk numbers have declined in that specific herd they had declined by you know 50 some percent wow but my brother kills an elk every year his success rate has maintained has gone the same and i think it's like elk go down but his knowledge level of the area you know has kept pace he's sort of made up for it now i can only imagine because but before wolves came in this like this, this sounds totally just like one guy's experience but i've had other people say this too when wolves came in hard we're we're kind of like ladies and gentlemen we're kind of talking about the, the what they call the greater yellowstone ecosystem or the, the area around yellowstone where the wolves are now wyoming idaho montana but when those wolves came in and really started hammering those elk the elk got paranoid in a way that they weren't before you know i think they just got like a a mentality of just being like hunted all the time you know so it used it felt for a while like when you went on an opening day and they hadn't been harassed by hunters they were just relaxed in a way and they were in vulnerable locations and i think that and many people agree with this that that herd has adjusted its behavior so much it'll eventually have to adjust its behavior a lot in order to learn how to cope with the new threat but think of it in the reverse. If you, if you think about taking a drive through Yellowstone National Park, you go into Yellowstone now, and the elk in Yellowstone are scared shitless of wolves. They're scared shitless of grizzlies. What they don't care about are human beings, okay? So you'll have elk feeding 10, 20, 30 feet from your car, oblivious to your presence. Not oblivious. They know you're there. They just don't care, right? Yellowstone hasn't been actively hunted for over 100 years. Okay, so on that chunk of property, they have ruled out humans as being something to be worried about. So when they're out, they can go feed in the area where maybe they're safe from wolves or safer from wolves where they can see around or whatever. But also at the same time, they don't have to worry at all about their proximity to people. If all of a sudden tomorrow you started saying that, you know, I'm going to let a handful of hunters every year come into Yellowstone National Park. And just start taking pot shots at these elk. Someone would come in and say, "Like these elk are stupid. They just stand there and let you shoot them." But it'll be, but, but yeah, because they haven't adjusted to the threat yet, you know? Right. And so with wolves, they will eventually, hopefully, they will reach some kind of like technological stalemate with the wolves, where they seem like a little bit better to withstand the kind of pressure. One hopes that's starting to happen. At the same time, you know, I'm an advocate of continuing to whittle down the wolf numbers. Just manage them like you would anything else, you know. Just because they're so devastating. Not so much because they're so devastating, because they're a renewable resource. You know, I think like they're a renewable resource. There's hunter interest in them. It's been proven by most people who don't have a political axe to grind believe that we can maintain a harvest on wolves without destroying the resource or damaging the resource like you maintain a viable population of them the same way we try to maintain a viable population of mountain lions viable population of black bears we rebuild well re- yeah i mean mountain lions are so incredibly plentiful in utah for example that when you get your fishing license it comes automatically with a mountain lion tag is that true yeah that's so i was amazed at that, that so when you true. apply for a fishing license look it up whether you have a hunt license or not. When you apply for a fishing license, you get an automatic tag for a, for a mountain lion license. I was amazed. What do you think of that, Giannis? California. No, no, Utah. Utah. Can't Utah. hunt lions in California. 
Utah. Meanwhile, one just attacked a kid in Silicon Valley. Did you hear about that? Seriously? Cupertino. Really? Six-year-old kid got attacked by a mountain lion. His father had to fucking Whoa. scream and yell That's... at the mountain lion to get it off yeah. the kid. They, the cops did. Cops found the mountain lion, killed it. They got the DNA from the kid's jacket. So when they shot the mountain lion, they did a DNA Oh, they knew test. they had the right one? They knew they had the right one. In Colorado, a, a six-year-old was walking between her family or parents, and, a, and mountain lion just came down, boop, took her took her off. Not Grabbed dead, her. though. No, killed her. Took her off. I mean, yeah, I'm not a big fan of when cats. When was that? Uh, four or five years oh, ago. okay, yeah. I'm yeah. not a big fan of cats. That's a terrible tragedy. I mean, that's like, what in the world? I don't know. I mean, is it worse than a car? I mean, <clears throat> well, I mean, in other words, respect to no, the no. Family. I mean, in other words, it's so rare. Like, how many, how many people have really been killed by mountain lions? Really, one every twenty years, man. Yeah, it's that's it's why just, I can't. That's why I'm not. That in, it? That's why. Yeah, it's more than no, that. it's like one, there's like one mountain lion fatality every twenty. It's years. So rare, man. It's so rare. Um, you know what? I was, I heard recently. What was the number of years I was saying? Did you see this? The last time a bow hunter was killed. By a grit, like as much as bow, like when you're hunting bow hunting for elk, you're cow calling, you're making, you're mimicking the sound of a cow elk. Hit it, Giannis. Hit a nice cow call. Yeah. 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 Grizzlies hear that. Yeah. They hear that yeah. and they hunt the sound. So bow hunters are frequently, like just in my own cir- extended circle, like friends of friends, every year there's like guys that are calling in grizzlies while trying to. Call elk. Not a, I couldn't believe this. Not a bow hunter's been killed in the Rocky Mountains in, in at least twenty five years wow. by grizzlies. Yeah, I forget what it was. A couple rifles. Some, someone rifle someone wrote a statement saying that he it was happening. Chuck Adams. Yeah. All due respect to Chuck Adams. I mean, he's like a like a great hunter who's been writing a lot more about a lot more stuff than I ever have in my life. Uh, when it comes to hunting, made the mistake of saying like how sometimes bow hunters do get killed or unfortunately they do get killed and then someone did the research and said no in fact they don't there's no record of a bow hunter i think it was ben long from yeah ben long from backcountry hunters and anglers was the one that wound up saying that no it doesn't happen but anyways yeah once every 20 years i think it's once every 20 years kids are more vulnerable though right kids and ladies joggers particularly Ugh. i think you look like something the lion wants to snack on you look like something's running away too probably yeah. Something scared. Not the way I run. I've I, seen. Oh, good. I bought two Utah um, fishing licenses, and I didn't see that on my fishing license. Look it up. I was just should. told that by my father. Huh? Just do a quick. It does. Uh, I mean, there's like a handful of reasons why that wouldn't be right. Doesn't seem to make sense. I don't mean to nitpick, but no, you, no, you don't have a hunting license. Now I'm curious. My father told me that. My father did. He just got his. He just got a. He lives in Utah, and he and he got a fishing license. And he said that you get an automatic tag for a mountain You know what I think he I might have got? I think he maybe got a fishing license. Yeah. We're talking about something that we're not able to resolve, which is like one of well, the worst things. Well, we can look it up, things. though, can't we? Google yeah. it right now. Yeah. Google so it. what he probably got is they probably sent him, because they had his name and everything, they probably maybe sent him a lion application, a permit application. Oh, maybe, huh? Regardless, I've seen three lions. It used to seem like a lot. Now I feel like it's only. I've only seen three lions. Jay Scott, who Giannis guided for for a long time colbert and scott outfitters they guide what they guide elk arizona they guide mexico colorado mule deer colorado mule deer i said to jay i said hey man how many lines you seen and um he spends a lot of time behind his binoculars he said i'm looking for number 35 right now oh whoa he's seen he's glassed up 35 lions hunting he does live behind his binoculars for it. 
great portion of the year. The the guy who was, I think, the head of the fishing game or wildlife service or whatever, um, I remember he had to step down. He was in California. Yep. And he hunted a mountain lion very legally. In another state. Yeah, and, and they flipped out on him. You can't hunt lions in California. And meanwhile, people were like, listen, the the amount of money that the parks make on hunting licenses and stuff, that's what supports, you know, the habitat and the maintain the maintenance of the habitat, et cetera, and all the other things. Well, yeah, that's a real problem with California, right? It's ideologically driven. It doesn't really have anything to do with managing wildlife. Yeah, they have, like, they, <clears throat> California actually has some, like, outspoken anti-hunting people who are on their... You know, Fish and Wildlife Commission. That's and hilarious. It used to be called Fish and Game. And there's a lot of states where it's not Fish and Game, but California was Fish and Game, and California just became not Fish and Game. They became like Fish and Wildlife to sort of disassociate with the term game, which is sort of this like objectification of animals. I feel bad for people in California. They hammered all the time. Like it, could, it was first that you can't hunt lions with a dog. Then you can't hunt lions at all. Now there's a big thing to have like no dog hunting whatsoever. Or like no dog hunting mammals or something of any well, they sort. They still have bear hunting, but they don't have bear with dogs. Yeah, and so they just like, got rid of that. When we were at Tahoe Ranch, they were saying it's pointless to hunt bears without dogs. You can't bait. You can't use dogs. Then you can't find bears. Like in that area, it'd be tough, man. Yeah, it'd be tough. Other states like Montana, you can't run bears <clears> with a dog. You can't bait for bears, but it's still. But the the topography warrants itself to spot and stalk bear hunting, which is really good. You know, and, and and if it like like Maine this November very likely through the Humane Society, Maine will very likely in November vote down bear baiting. Okay, pushed entirely, funded entirely by Humane Society, but they put it to a referendum. They had it up before and it lost by a few points. It's coming back up now. A lot of people think that it'll pass and they'll like do a baiting ban on bears in Maine. But Maine's largely flat, heavily vegetated. To ban baiting for bears is essentially to ban bear hunting and they know this you know and so that's how people like go after hunting stuff is they try to like isolate out little like what they consider fringe activities because i was reading this poll one time they did this poll in arizona saying to people do you support uh a person's right to hunt you know and you wind up getting this whatever it is i can't remember exactly but 76 percent of the population is like yes you do the same poll and ask people specific questions and it starts going down 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 like, do you support someone's right to hunt blank? And it, it, it drops. So it's like, they like the idea of it, but the specificity of it. Especially things like baiting. Yeah. You know, whatever it Dogs. is. It feels like it's trophy hunting. It feels like you're you're not really, there's no skill involved. That's what it feels like, right? So if you say we're going to bait the bear in and shoot it, it feels like target well, practice. Most people are against hunting bears at all. I would imagine if you just put an online poll on Facebook saying how many people are, are pro bear hunting, yeah. it'd be a giant number would be against it. When I first proposed it to you, I remember you were really uneasy about the idea. Yeah. yeah. But you wanted something that was going to be good to eat. Yeah, I wanted to hunt deer. The first yeah. time I wanted to hunt, I was like, man, bear, I don't know about all that. But um, having shot a bear now and eating a bear, they're great to eat. Yeah. They they taste good. They I mean they they taste good. It's not like you have to convince yourself. And I had to argue with people online that were giving me a hard time that were actually hunters that were telling me you can't tell me bear is is good to eat. It's ridiculous. You know, I've been hunting my whole life. You know, everyone I know says bear tastes awful. I'm like, you're crazy. You're you no you I've eaten it. I'm telling you from the flesh in my mouth, <laughs> chewing it down, it tastes good. It doesn't taste bad at all. That there's 
good. Depending real, upon diet, real quick, of course, just right? because someone is a great hunter does not make them a good cook of wild game. True, too, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. it's also people have attitudes about certain animals where they just discard the meat. You know, there's some people that have no problem. When we were in camp, we were, we were in honey camp, and there's this one guy that was with us who uh, would not eat the bear meat. He just wouldn't eat the bear. He shot a big-ass seven-foot bear. That might be oh, also yeah. because, like, there's always been a history of, you know, you'd, certain things you don't eat, right? So so mountain lion or bear especially because they're trich- trichinosis Mountain lion like apparently that. tastes really good. It's really good. It actually. is good. Yeah. Mountain lion is good? Yeah, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. It's like pork. Really? White flesh. Surprised white flesh. I ate some mountain lion burgers once, and then that night I had a dream that a mountain lion was eating me. Is that true? Yeah, that's heavy. Whoa. He had mountain lion burger. That's dark. It was laced with ayahuasca. For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine, though, yeah. animals Dory's, that eat Dory's mountain lion burger got roofied. Ayahuasca. My, my wife said I smelled different when I came home. Yeah. From bear hunting? I'd been eating bear. She actually said you smelled different. She said I smelled like a killer. First time she ever smelled a man. She said it was weird. Yeah. She says you smell like like threatening. Really? Yeah. Because he was like, oh. I wonder, I wonder if like if you oh. eat predators. Do a do a you, grizzly thing. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest bear bear call I've ever heard. My old man, you I know you're making a point. I just want to add real quick about that whole smell thing. My old man, <laughs> when I was a kid, had a friend who during during deer season would only eat. Like leafy greens and carrots and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. So your yeah. breath smells like really an animal. You don't smell that. like a meat eater. He really felt it, you know. Well, I've seen on hunting shows guys eat spruce tree needles. Yeah, to try like to they do your chew breath. the because your breath. Apparently, that's Whoa. that's the thing that the animals really smell. That was one of the big things about all the charcoal infused clothing and like scent control clothing. Wow, you know, you put it all on, but people would say, "But dude, your whole your whole like smell factory, man, is just you." Exhaling, you mm. know, I think mean, they probably like it would, it would suck to, it would suck to smell box. people's breath from like oh, 500 yards away. Tim Burnett said that he was hunting once, and I think he said 200 yards. He said he was downwind at 200 yards, and he saw an animal go like that. He knew the animal winded him, and he ran off, dude. Wow. Absolutely, absolutely, that's nothing. 200 yards is Damn. nothing, that's, nothing. that's incredible. It is incredible. The animal is downwind, yes. Yes. Oh, the yeah. wind he came was, from him to the animal, two hundred yards away. Absolutely, think, I, he might have said three. I think he might have said three. That, that's yards. astounding to me. Yeah, but he was like, I can't believe that thing can smell you. It's so also far interesting away. that smell particles would travel that quickly. Well, Tim was also talking about some new th- product. It's like a nose blocker or nose jammer, scent jammer. I think it's called. You heard heard of that? I've seen it. It does like a, something. In an aerosol can confuses the hell out of deer. Like he he used like it on the show. You put it on you, or you put it out. Put in it the on air. you. You put it on you, and um, like the, you could see the deer like going, like, "Wow, fuck is that?" The deer was like putting its nose up in That's the air, weird. but stayed there, didn't run off. But it was like, "What is this?" Like it was just confusing it. What's this? You, you know Scent about this jammer, thing? Yes? I think it's called. Buck bomb? No, no, no. no. So I, call, I think it's called scent jammer. That's, that's jammer. The, the buck yeah, bomb. I thought right. that was that's Brian right. Callen. The buck yeah, bomb. they call me the buck bomb. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the buck bomb. They call me the fucker. The kid. <laughs> I have a lot of different names. Game call I. The kid. Game I. Yep. Game I. Cashmere killer. Yep. The cashmere killer is the best. He was wearing right. cashmere yep. in Montana. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Did you bring some this time? Yeah, I brought. I, brought, I got two pieces of cashmere. 
What'd you bring? Your scarf? I brought a beautiful, lightweight uh, cashmere sweater. James Purse. <laughs> and uh, and then a lovely V-neck, a lovely hunter green V-neck uh, by uh, James, James uh, uh, J. Crew. Really brings out James, my eyes. Brings James really, Crew. Really brings out my, <laughs> my James Crew. Now, it's the higher level of J. Crew. It brings out my autumn brown eyes. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash eater. Rocketmoney.com slash me eater so uh you'll have a good time <laughs> all right so but, um, I, was, we're, we're, I feel like we're like on a tangent on a tangent what were you we were about that's what podcasts were all about yeah, no, no no but i was interested, eating predators. I was interested in the main line eating, eating bears made you smell that i wasn't predators. Predators. yeah the, the, the first bear first so, hunt, yeah and the guy that didn't want to eat the bear yeah yeah well this guy he shot two of them didn't eat any of it i wonder if when people are uneasy with bear hunting i think there's the charismatic megafauna thing at play where, I mean, they're just charismatic, right? They're like, they stand up on their back feet. I remember the writer Jim Harrison uh, wrote, I can't remember which one of his books, but he saw a guy, a guy had skinned out a bear and he had it hanging. And he commented that it just looked like a dude hanging there. It looked like a skinned out dude hanging there and that he didn't want anything to do with it, you know? So I think there's that. And then there's also probably just the legacy that that bear hunters have kind of created for themselves about all oh, that the meat's no good or I don't want to eat the meat that certainly doesn't help the case. Yeah, it's pretty prevalent. I was amazed at how much backlash I got online, not just from non-hunters, which I expected, but from hunters who said, you know, hunters wouldn't hunt predators, didn't hunt bear, and said, you know, it's ridiculous that you hunt bear. Because you don't even eat it, and I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm I'm smoking that's, that's a bear a ham right yeah. now." Is it? There's a real. But I don't difference, think they have though. a ton of opportunities, man. I think when people say that, oftentimes what they're really saying is because of my personal situation, how I was brought up, where I live, mm-hmm. I don't hunt bears. I told this story story a hundred times where I was sitting. I know this guy in South Carolina that has a deer blind. He calls the condo. Okay, and he built a heated structure with windows all the way around it and he has office chairs in it and lead sleds set up in it. And this is his hunting blind and a bunk bed and a microwave. All the stuff is in his hunting blind and radiating out from the condo are shooting lanes that he's got planted in clover and alfalfa that run out like spokes of a wheel. Okay. So he can sit up there and rove around in a rolling office chair. I mean, that's like, he may as well just farmed here. Well, 
He said she does. Where does yeah. he live, and do you know him? Can we go over his house? <laughs> you would, Can we hang out you with would him? have the Joe, best time, dude. You would have the best time over there hunting in this thing. But anyways, I'm up in this thing with him, and we're waiting for deer to come out. And I'm telling him how I'm going to go out to hunt dry ground lions, which means I'm going to go out with a friend who runs lions with hounds in the desert. And it's much more difficult to run lions in the snow because one thing the dogs can't tell is what way the lion went. So when you have snow, you can at least deduce the direction of the lion's travel. If the dogs lose the track, you can pick the track back up again because it's there in the snow. And you can tell a lot about the, the antiquity of the track, the age of the track, just based on when the snow fell, what it looks like. Like snow holds tracks in a different way than our stuff. Hunting them in the desert, your dogs might be running a lion that you're just never going to see a track from. You know, and then part of the skill is just being able to read sign, find the track, judge from the dog's behavior, whether they think the track's hot or not hot. All these things play into it. It's the most difficult thing I've ever been involved in hunt, or one of the most difficult things I've ever been involved with hunting. Anyways, I'm telling him how I want to go do this, and he's up in his rolling office chair in the condo, turns to me, he's like, I just don't see the challenge in something like that. <laughs> so it's like, jeez. People like when they're like, "Oh, I don't hunt bears." It's like, you know why you don't hunt bears, dude? Because your dad probably didn't hunt bears. Yeah. Right. You probably don't live in a bear hunting area, right? You or know? if you did get a hold of some bear meat, somebody cooked it poorly. Yeah, so it's like you, it poorly. You build up. It's like you build up what you do and don't do based on a bunch of things and after a while a bunch of arbitrary things and after a while i think it starts to feel like a code of ethics to you mm. when in fact it's just like you just do what you were brought up doing man right that makes there, sense, there is a know? difference though i mean i think that when you when you see somebody and you walk in and you say i'm a trophy hunter and they have um no one they, walks up and says that no no, no but, but i'm just saying that, that in people's minds i think when you hunt deer I notice. I just notice. Then when you hunt deer, they go. People go. Well, deer. You're obviously hunting it for the meat. Yeah. It's a little bit like a cow. It's like a forest cow. Whereas <laughs> I call them forest cows. Uh, when you hunt, um, when you go kill an elephant, let's just take the extreme. Yeah. A noble animal, like an elephant. Or we we always put those kind of words on that kind of a thing. A pachyderm. They got family structures and stuff. Viscerally, yeah, for they people, spend like 13 years with their kids. Yeah, man. So viscerally, there's a very different feel, you know, lions, those kinds of things. There's a very different reaction. And I, I, I think it's it's primarily a positive one in, in terms of the fact that I think people just go, you're doing that. You're killing this noble, beautiful animal for your own sort of uh, either ego or because you want its head on your wall. Yeah. And I think that that's where people kind of, and, and I think that's a very human thing. You know what's really ironic? Mm. The same guy who wouldn't eat the bear told me the most delicious meat he ever had was elephant. Wow. He just sounds right? like a contrarian, man. No, yeah. no, 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 no. He's a very nice guy. He wasn't a contrarian at all. He just was saying, like, he went elephant hunting, and they knew the exact spot to cut out a steak. And it was like from inside the arm, mm -hmm. like inside the, the wow. leg. And uh, he said, I am telling you, it was delicious. It's delicious meat. And I was like, wow, I would have never assumed. First of all, I knew that the villagers ate the meat, but I would never assume that it was so good that like. They'd cook it for the clients. Yeah, especially a guy who won't even eat a bear. Yeah. Were, were elephants hunted by uh, like in, in that area of Africa, I wonder? I don't know. I don't know why not. Extremely difficult. Yeah, hard to bring it well, down. Well, I mean, when they but, kill, like, the, yeah. you know, they, like, 
historically they would kill giraffes with those poison darts. Yeah. Giraffe I have this old meat. video from the fifties. Yeah, I have this old video from the fifties where they hit a giraffe with a poison dart. I don't know. I can't remember how many. They fall for three or four days till it finally starts vomiting and then it dies and they chop it up. Have you ever seen that video? There's an old school bow hunter. It wasn't Fred Bear, but it was one of those guys like that who was some you know like Tom Miranda type adventure bow hunter from like the 1940s or whatever it was. Yeah, it was like not black Art, and white not footage. Art Lahab, but who's that dude? You know who? You know the guy? The, he. Uh, Hell's his name? Like shot the, killed the elephant with the longbow, man. Yeah, yeah. He shot an elephant. I mean, he Art Young. It was it was either Pope. It was Saxon Pope or Art Young. Was it one of those guys? I do not remember the. He killed an elephant with a bow, dude. Not only did he kill an elephant with a bow, but he stuck that thing full of arrows. I mean, he had to shoot it a bunch of times. He's pulling a bow. It's a bow bow. Like not like a compound bow from Hoyt. So that, yeah, like a Hiawatha. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a regular bow, and the guy just kept shooting it, and the elephant's like, Wah! and it was a screwy video because it was very clear that the sound in the video was not the actual sound of the encounter. They had added it in in post, like a, a movie shop would. Yeah, like there's a there's a video of Maasai warriors throwing like five or six of them. Just throwing these. That you know, I don't know if you know Maasai, the Bantu Maasai from from uh, <clears throat> Kenya, tall, you know, yeah, six yeah. six seven. Whatever. And they traditionally used to live essentially total carnivores. They live on about seven quarts of high fat milk a day, and they would tap the vein of their um, cattle and drink the blood. And that was primarily their diet. And then they would eat meat when they could afford it. And you see these Ma- Maasai, five or six of them, with those long spears throwing them into a male lion really oh dude they're just coming up and going running boom and that lion just basically has five long spears in it it starts to buck and it just dies and lion lion in that part of africa are very wary of humans they will run away from you they do not they even when they hunt lion on horseback lions give chase they don't we We've talked about this many times uh, on other podcasts, this, the hunting in Africa controversy. And I really liked that piece that you wrote about, about hunting in Africa, like this whole thing about what this controversy involving this young girl yeah. who was going there. And uh, that you were you know, essentially saying that a lot of the differences, the way people were approaching her, it's sexist. If if it was a man that it was that was doing the same thing, there would be some blowback, but not as much. He would there would if if some dude, you know, some guy like worked at the phone company his whole life and say something goes to Africa and shot a couple elf or elephant and a leopard and put it up on his Facebook page, he would have got zero visits. Or a lot yep. of hate. No one would have cared. Very little. Very so little. Picking on the just a regular again. guy. Like you were saying, how they kind of attack the little, you know, pieces of the oh, yeah. community. Oh yeah. Like so what, what's the story? A woman. A she's dude? a beautiful girl from Texas who's a cheerleader, and she wants to be. She wants to be Steve Rinella. She wants to be a female version of Steve Rinella. So she's trying to like be a part of the hunting, you know, professional hunting community. So but she, that is rare because women have traditionally never been hunters. Men have, right? Well, sort except of. for like I point out, except for they think that there was very low sexual dimorphism in Neanderthals, and they think that maybe Neanderthal women hunted right along. Everybody with them. was starving. That's why they died off. Nobody yeah. wants a no. They lived a crazy long time. Female hunting they had a way longer. Built like you, Neanderthals. No, listen, Neanderthals <laughs> had a way longer run. Feet. They had a way longer run than we'll have. You think they were in Europe five hundred thousand years before we were? 
Yeah, but we'll be here for millions of years. No, we won't. I, I predict. You want to bet? Oh, really? Have you I'll, ever read I'll the, be there to collect. <laughs> you ever read That's the Bible, Steve? Um, <laughs> the world's only 6,000 years old, so I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Correct. Um, but one of the things that I find disturbing about the whole Africa thing is uh, there's a, a lot of these... Um, like these bow hunting shows where these people go over there to collect. Like I'm going to get one of these and one of those and they're doing it in a, these high fence joints. And it's it's just, it's weird, man. In Africa they're doing yes, it? Yes. Yeah, South Africa. Fence. When someone goes to South Africa, wow. they're hunting. Like, say like, if you go to South Africa, you're, pre- you're hunting fence property. It's just like, if you go to New Zealand and shoot a large red deer, you shot it on fence ground. You know? Oh, like these 300 inch red deer to come out of New Zealand. Fence. My, my buddy, but but, here, but hold on. Here's the important part. Those animals were literally on the verge of extinction before these high fence operations came into play. So it's such a catch twenty two. On one hand, you you see, well, it's a renewable resource, and now these animals are actually very plentiful, and they're no longer worried about extinct being extinct. But on the other hand, they're in a yard. It's essentially a yard. It yeah. might be it's ten thousand acres, but it's a ten thousand acre fenced in yard. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know that was always the argument. If you want to save the animals, make it profitable to hunt them. You know the, well, that's but the, the argument for Texas. And the, the, but the biggest uh, the the biggest threat though is more habitat. Yeah, I think it's habitat, but it definitely pays to have hunt. It definitely pays to have hunter interest. I mean, if you look at like you look at all these things that have, you know, you got these organizations: National Wild Turkey Federation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Ducks Unlimited, Trout Unlimited. These are things that these are powerful political organizations or have political impact. They have a lot of money and they're based around people's love of hunting for or fishing for these species. And it winds up being that like you can't really get away with messing with these animals because these people are going to come after you and make your life hell. You know, if you're going to destroy habitat or whatever. So it does not on the individual sense, like on the individual sense, it's like you just got shot. That's, that sucks. But I don't think about animals in the individual sense. I think about like a population level mm-hmm. kind of thing. And if you are concerned about the long-term viability of a population of animals in this country, and apparently in many countries in Africa, and certainly in Canada, it pays if people want to kill you. It's yeah, like right. advantageous if people have, if, they, if people are motivated through right. desires for trophies, meat, whatever to hunt for you you have you have more political clout as a species exactly like people do worry about. about the populations of elephants right even rhinos but if you want to shoot an elephant you can pay i think it's like thirty thousand yeah. dollars and you can shoot a fucking elephant right. i mean i watched a show and this is where it was really it really bothered me because they were calling it a bow hunt so this guy gets out there he sticks this bow i mean sticks an arrow into this elephant the elephant charges him and then the guide blows one through the elephant's brain, and the elephant's down. Did the but arrow hit look fatal? Probably eventually, yeah. maybe. It's hard to tell. It was like a you, vital. Would, you don't think it would have bled out, or it might have bled out. It, I don't think the guy was pulling a hard enough bow. I mean, I think you know if you're going to kill an elephant, you got animal. a lot of animal. To, how how much do they weigh? Ten thousand pounds. 
I have Something no crazy. Idea. It was an enormous yeah. elephant, though. They I don't know how many thousand pounds. They weigh about 10,000 pounds. But so the guy's only about 30 yards away. He hits the elephant with the arrow. The arrow, ar- elephant recognizes immediately that this guy with the bow is the one who shot him. Starts running towards him, and the, the guide, boom, blows the elephant through the brain. And then there's congratulating him on his kill. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? What is this? This is weird. Uh, I think that the alternative. If you don't make hunting profitable, then what happens with people who are anti-hunting, the alternative is what? To enforce a ban on hunting with laws. That doesn't work well, hey, in well, huge areas. Well, you have massive poaching problems. Yeah. But look I mean, at it this way. How many people are going to donate thirty thousand exactly. dollars to keep uh, elephant populations exactly, healthy? Exactly. If it, is it even one? Right. I mean, yeah, how many probably. people? Maybe you have to run some kind of drive. Good luck. Yeah, you you're know? not going to have a the ton dude, of the people. The dude from U two, what's his name? He would. Bono. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, that's a very good point. It's a very good point because there's no other way to generate that amount of money. I mean, think about how many people get hunting tags. I mean, how many people get uh, white-tailed deer tags? But it goes back country. to what you were saying about California. It's ideological. And, and I think any kind of ideology, you know, that's the enemy. That's, that's, where, that's where rationality and, and figuring out what's best for the animal, actually, you know, it's interesting how yeah, but it's, ideology But it's even to someone way. like me who enjoys hunting. It's disturbing. I don't like it. Right. I don't like seeing it. I don't like it. I don't like the idea behind it. I don't like seeing these sloppy, goofy fucks just hop on planes and go shoot these animals in someone's yard it just seems weird to me the whole thing seems off it doesn't seem legit you know there's like why look there's nothing wrong with farming i enjoy a nice steak i don't think there's anything wrong with farming but when you take these wild animals and you're pretending that you're hunting but really you're kind of doing some pseudo farming type thing yeah that's really what's going on. It's like you're shooting fish in a barrel, literally, literally shooting fish in a barrel. That's yeah. really what you're doing. Who was it? I think I feel like you cracked me when I mentioned this before. But was it Jesse Helms or someone who's like, I know uh, I can't tell you what pornography is, but I know it when I, know I see it. it. No, that was yeah. the Supreme Justice. Yeah, oh, that, was, uh, that was that was the, when it, when it came to the who, Supreme Court. Yeah, what guy was it? Uh, um, I can't Scalia? remember. No, no, it wasn't Scalia. No, it was, it was way um, older than that. It was oh gosh, I used to know Clarence that. Thomas. Nope, um, but he said... Michael said, Jackson, uh, Third Good Marshall. might have been Robert Bork. Uh, Bork might have said... It I wasn't Helms? I, I can't remember. He said, well, I, I, don't, I, don't anyway, define, yeah, I don't know someone. how to define pornography. I know it when I see it. Yeah, so... That is one... Like That's one thing I feel about as far as fair chase. Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. It's difficult to define. It's difficult to define down fair chase. Because I'll say, like, I don't agree with fenced hunting. Like to me, it just feels like farming, and you're bullshitting yourself and others when you act like it's hunting people. Like, what if I'm hunting a fence place that's like twelve thousand acres, you know, way bigger than an individual animal's home range? Porter Stewart. Oh, really? Porter Stewart. You know who that is? Yeah, like, he, was a, he was on the Supreme Court, I believe. Whatever. So fuck that guy. They'll put out something <laughs> like that, and you're like, okay, yeah. In that case, maybe that's whatever. So it's like I, it's like it's so hard for me to sit down and say like fair chase hunting is blank, but some stuff's just not right. You know, it's just not. I'll Ooh. tell you what is fair chase hunting: hunting black-tailed deer, Prince Wales Island. Yeah, that's fair chase in the rain and fog. Yeah, yeah we're, we're climbing. It's up so the hill. fair chase, in fact, that I really have no idea. 
I feel like if we hunt hard and keep a good attitude, um, and 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 really get out there and pound it, even if the weather's bad, I think we'll do good. If we were going there and the weather was going to be good, and it's not, if we were going there the weather was be good, I think that we would have just a fantastic hunt. I think we'd be coming back every night with with deer. But it's just you know you get the wind, the fog, the rain, things get hard, things get miserable. Um, you know, fair chase. Yeah. Got anything you want to add, Dan Doty? You try nope. to keep this to an hour? Yeah. Yeah. Try to. Not doing anything. You're going to sleep. Because our, our, our audience, we don't have the amount of drug takers that your audience, <laughs> that your audience does. Well, that's not what so, it is. Our, our, you know what it is? It's commuters. <laughs> oh. It's like you, you, you by imposing a time, you know, like... Look, if someone downloads a podcast, most people have enough room on their phone or on their whatever, or the computer, wherever they put it. They have enough room for three hours or five hours or whatever, and they delete the old ones when they run out of time. But when someone's on a plane or when someone's uh, like driving, that's when I think they appreciate long podcasts. I'm sure. Yeah, but you don't have to listen to all of it. Everybody was telling me when I first started doing podcasts, you got to edit this. That's one of the earliest <laughs> complaints. The earliest pieces of advice they have. Was the, even Ari was one of my best friends. So what, what, like, Dude, what you made edit you do that. three you hours? What was the idea? Because I wanted to do three hours. You wanted it to be a, as long as a really good movie, man. No, my, my, my personal instinct was I enjoy talking to people for long periods of time because I think the conversations they make they take turns and as long as my attention span is there while I'm having the conversation why stop it keep it rolling are you tired are you tired of talking if you're not tired of talking let's keep talking that's yeah. always been my my feeling because I think that the deeper you get into a conversation a conversation is uh, it plays out not you know I mean it's not like a movie obviously a movie is far more difficult to make but there's turns and twists and you find out more about a person and you get to understand a, a person's style of communicating and while uh, while you're talking to someone when you're doing a podcast especially when you're the host of a podcast because you're kind of thinking about the entertainment value of it or how it should be I'm constantly thinking about it, about it not just as a person who's engaged in a conversation but as a person who might be listening to this I want to try to play devil's advocate as much as possible I want to try to cover as many points of view as possible and I also I'm kind of understanding this person's style of communicating and I'm trying to figure out a way to not talk over them or pause as much as possible or give them as much of an opportunity to expound on their ideas that takes time you know i think that uh you know some podcasts i i, I, I bailed on something the other day after two hours i'm like this Did you really? guy's boring really <laughs> yeah. well thanks a lot man and I tell you, they can kind of tell. Remember know. that mitch hedberg joke about taking attention deficit disorder drugs even though he's not afflicted how did it go? He said he runs around saying, man, there's got to be more to that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Some people are just like, you know, what would Dimitri Martin was like, he said he was doing a joke and he goes, one thing you never hear is somebody say, God, I wish that guy had talked more about himself at that party. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a worst. great joke. Or, or, wow, I wish that guy would drop more names. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I didn't really get a strong sense of his professional connections. <laughs> Do you know who's that way? Do you know who's that way? And I think I can say it. Nick Nolte, because he's been such a product of Hollywood for so long. He literally, I, I spent a long time with him. I thought he was a product I know of you alcohol. Know I never, yeah, I never, I spent enough that time too. with him. Like in the background of scenes in that movie Warrior, I spent a lot of time doing, I did a reading with him. Oh, did you really? I went to his house. And one that was fascinating, two things that I noticed. One, he had no stories that didn't involve Hollywood and a star. And two, I I probably spent, I don't know how many hours. He never asked me one question about myself. Like, just not one thing well, about boring. anybody else. See, when I talked to him, all he wanted to talk to about was me. Is that right? Says, Joe, tell me Joe about Robert. that bear you killed. Because all I talked about. What was about, going through your mind when you killed that bear? Yeah, well, he was like, you're like a rich man's bro- Joe Rogan, Brian Callen. I want to spend time with you. I saw him in Fry's once. Uh, he was buying a computer for his kid. Wow. And he was just uh, totally normal. Like, oh, hey, Joe, you're buying a computer. I'm trying to figure out which one to get for my right? boy. <laughs> that was good. Not bad. He's a great guy. Dude, he was good. And that Personal Michael, love him. Uh, love him. who's that guy Mo used to work for? Talk about name drop. Michael Mann. And that Michael Mann show they were doing where Nick Nolte was in it as the horse guy. What movie is that? What show is that? It was like a series. It got canceled because they kept killing horses. Oh, I don't know yeah, what the that southern is. one. Was oh, game was a horse game. It got canceled because they were killing horses. All the damn luck, horse, luck. It was the horses luck. kept all dying. Yeah, luck. Yeah, luck. It's just all, also not a very Nick good show. Nick Nolte was in it. No, man, I like that show. I didn't understand what was So it was on. a show about well, horse you, racing and the horses were dying during production? Yeah. Because they were Couple running of, them? Like one died, it was a big deal. Another one died and they just ended the show. Oh, wow. They also ended the show, though, because people weren't watching it. On a related note? I think so. It was so early in, man. It was hard to follow. But Nick Nolte was cool in it and he was the only cool thing about that recent uh the robert redford one it was kind of like based off the weather weather underground oh yeah when he comes out and does a role he's a he's like good he was man. great in warrior amazing that, in Warrior. he was fucking that's a lot of people didn't see that movie that movie was not a well received movie but nick amazing. nolte's role in it was fucking incredible and you were in it he played this alcoholic dad who was a trainer who was just Missed his son, but he has this one breakdown scene. Oof. It's fucking incredible. It is incredible. It's hard to believe the guy's not really breaking down while the scene's going it's on. It's incredible. And he got sober for that movie, man. I mean, it was fucking... He's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. That guy can act his ass off. Yeah, he can. He's a real artist. All right, so you can catch Brian Callen in the movie Warrior. Yeah. That's right, guys. He plays me. You can catch I played, Brian Callen on... I literally on, played Joe Rogan. You, you can catch Brian Callen on... Is that true? Yeah. They tried to get Joe to do it. And, and then, he plays and then, like he does my role that I do at the UFC. He oh. did that. And my name for is that movie. Brian Callen on the show. <laughs> and you can catch Brian Callen all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. You can see me in everything, you guys. You ever heard of the movie? You ever heard <laughs> of the movie? Not to make it about me, Yo. but The Hangover of Matt TV. <laughs> First two years of Matt TV, guys. Go get those DVDs, huh? I'll make. I'm, I can finally. <laughs> sign I can finally get that operation. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, man. Always I'm glad a you're doing this. Yeah, it's awesome, Steve Rinellan. After three years of work, our follow-up to the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook is here. It's the Meat Eater Outdoor Cookbook, wild game recipes for the grill, smoker, campfire, and camp stove. Here is your book for everything that's best cooked or eaten outside, from grilling to open fire cooking to Dutch ovens to smokers to barbecue to backpacking meals to how to pull off the perfect fish fry with pit stops along the way for lessons about Ice Age cooking methods and the best five ways to construct 
a cooking fire you can be proud of. And of course, we're focusing on wild game and fish here with over 100 recipes, including stuffed venison burgers three ways, wild duck with ahi verde sauce, a jerky made with cola, a gin and tonic made with fire charred lemons, and grilled frog legs made with a sticky sweet sauce. This ain't your normal cookbook, so be prepared to be surprised. Get your copy now. For more info, visit TheMeatEater.com or buy it wherever books are sold.